We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How you doing tonight, Ivy Nation Sports Talk? Up and rolling. He's Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. I guess it's good, Jesse, that you guys had mailbag last night. Vince didn't really have to come up with any uh, with any show topics that way, right? Did you? How'd things go? Things went uh, well. We did start five minutes late, but uh oh, that's a Vince situation. Another um, Vince really pushing the limits since he got to set the start time. Huh? <laughs> I would say that was the only hiccup in yesterday's show. Just uh, yeah, it was real good. You know, it, mailbag days are nice because people people do the work for you. They bring the questions and give you something to talk about. That's right. Um, and we hit a wide variety of topics, and it felt like um, we even got a complaint. The usual. I feel like it's always a complaint. Why aren't we talking about Notre Dame football? Can we talk oh, about Notre Dame football? And so <laughs> we talked a little bit of linebackers um, and uh, ba- mainly, you know, the defensive line uh, and, and the linebackers and what they were able to accomplish in that full that full practice um, that you guys went to the other day. So uh-huh. that was cool. Um, talking about, you know, <laughs> against what many people probably want to hear, Maris Leofow having a good uh, camp so far. But he actually yeah. is. I mean, look, it, it doesn't matter what kind of camp he has. All that matters is what it looks like in a game. He's had plenty of good practices before. I think that's how he's kept getting himself on the field. Show it in a game, right? I mean, isn't that what everyone's looking for at this point? <laughs> yes. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean. That's just that's no, that's, that's what reality. we talked about yesterday. Maris's right? problem isn't what he shows in practice. It's that he shows something in practice and it doesn't translate to the field in games. Yeah, it's there. Oh, and everyone, I had a nice shirt on yesterday, but people told me it wasn't a good shirt. But I got so many compliments for my shirt at work yesterday, and then I come on here, and I got a lot of hatred for no reason. But uh, Matt said I had a fancy shirt on, so it looked like he liked it. You're Uh, liking your shirt now. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the Cubs polo is doing the job today. It was casual Thursday at work, uh, so I threw on the Cubs polo. Yep, all right. Uh, I saw Irish Gordian... Not said, uh, man, the boards have been rough today. People are antsy as hell this season. Can't get here any sooner. Until then, IB continues to keep me satiated. Well, that's that's the way you do it. You know, like you want to you want to come, you want to join in, be part of the conversation. You show up here live, and uh, that's the way we do it on IB Nation Sports Talk. We've got plenty to talk about tonight. We had more practice to watch this morning. We'll talk about that in a second. I just wanted to, uh, just a little something interesting that I saw when I was leaving after the interviews that we did today. And we talked to Marty Biaggi, special teams coordinator. We'll have a, a soundbite from him in a little bit. And, uh, you know, we'll also talk about who some of the specialists are going to be. But so I'm leaving and I'm walking past Purcell Pavilion to the parking lot. Who do I see? Jack Swarbrick driving a golf cart, and in the golf cart with him, um, two more follically challenged men than myself, Pete Pavacqua, the uh, soon-to-be official Notre Dame athletic director. And it looked like, I can't can't confirm this is 
100% definite, but it looked like NBC sports executive Will McIntosh, who is reportedly one of the people in the mix to replace Bavakwa as the chairman of NBC sports. And earlier this week, it, he looked like also the same person who was in the stands um, watching Notre Dame football practice. There was a little contingent of the NBC personnel over there, including Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett were at Tuesday's practice. I don't think, uh, well, I guess I didn't, I wasn't here yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to mention that. I don't know if Vince did, but uh, so it looked like it was definitely Jack Swarbrick and Pete Babakwa. It looked like NBC sports executive, Will McIntosh in the golf cart with them. So just found that interesting as they were tootling around out there in the golf cart, pulling away from Purcell Pavilion this afternoon. Didn't you see some other uh, NBC guests at uh, school field the other night? I just said that. Oh, you said that you said that Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett were there. Yes. Oh, where were you? Where were you 15 seconds ago? I was I was deep into the chat. Do you live in a different, you know, like time plane than I live? Is that is that how this? I live in the third dimension. Okay, I might I might have to uh, give you some new initials, DP, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Figure that one out. Um, and who's not listening? I think it's pretty cool that Jason Garrett was there. You know, I know that it's Jason Garrett, but like Jason Garrett was at School Field, and for me, that's kind of cool. Um, like just like. Him and his, I know it's not, it, it, at the end of the day, it's Jason Garrett and like you can debate, you know, what kind of presence he has. But I mean, that's a, that's an ex-NFL coach. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like I, there's just, that, those are my old stomping grounds. And so like when I saw that Jason Garrett was there, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Saw your old uh, high school quarterback, Frank Karcheski. I'm not allowed to call him Frankie anymore. He and uh, some of his guys were there. Of course, he's the head coach at your alma mater, his alma mater. Adams yeah, so was uh, was it just him and the coaching staff, or were they allowed to bring some players with them? As they well? actually brought some players with them. They were supposed that you know what they originally said was it was only going to be able to be captains, but they it looked like they had fifteen or twenty players that were in there. They let Riley uh, bring their captains over, so there was a little Riley contingent there was there, and um, Washington was also allowed to bring theirs, but they they weren't there. It they no showed. Like. They no showed. Wow. There was some rando with a tank top walking around with a pizza inside school. Before no idea. This just, you know, we'd been there for over an hour and all of a sudden this guy strolls through and he's like, he's just kind of like bebopping through and he's looking around and he sits down and he's got his pizza. In the so the uh, is, so. is what's the, what's the Frankie situation? Is it because he's coach now that he, he no longer is Frankie? It's just, just Frank. Yeah. I think it's a little more, you know, got to, you know, Gotta put like a little Billy, bit more respect yeah, on the name. You know, like Billy. You know, Billy Martin. Everyone still knew him, I guess, as Billy Martin. But yeah, he. Uh, I, I I think that that's it. You know, like he's cleaned up. There used to be a lot of scraggle on his face. His hair was long at times. He's like, he's looking. Uh, you know, he's got the the hair trimmed up, looking good. No more scraggle on the face. You know, really deep voice, and it's just Frank Karcheski or you know Coach Karcheski. <laughs> I think, even though one of his. I think as one of his assistants has like a ponytail, which, you know, sticking out of the back of his hat, that kind of surprised me a little bit, but Hey, teach his own individual flair. Right. Right. Uh, so in, in terms of practice, one thing I wanted to touch on before we kind of talk about some, uh, some specifics, Marcus Freeman, hands-on head coach. We saw him out there working with the defensive backs today. It's not the first time that we've seen him, you know, out there, I, I just, I always like to see, especially at this level, the head coaches being involved, you know, like if they see something, get out there and help, not just be a spectator. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, I personally enjoy a coach to be more hands-on because okay. I think that you know, like the, the responsibilities and the day-to-day task of head coaches are different than what coordinators do. And that's, that's well known, but I, I just feel like Marcus Freeman is still young in this whole head coaching thing. And I, I think he's, he's the glue that holds that, that thing together, right? Like he's so personable with all the players. And so like, I like seeing him hopping in with drills. 
I like him being more hands-on because I he's got a tremendous amount of knowledge, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a waste for him almost to to not kind of interject himself here and there. So, you know, I don't I don't need him to be a part of everything or like hands-on with everything, but having him jump in here and there, just giving some quick pointers of what he's seeing or maybe some tips and tricks that, you know, has helped him before, I, I don't mind seeing that at all. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I completely agree. I, I think it is nothing but a good thing. And he was out there, you know, like, again, working with the defensive backs this afternoon. I am curious, as someone like you who's played in college, you've been through training camps before, and this team right now, they're basically – Henry's agreeing, and he doesn't even know what he's agreeing with yet. They're basically a little more than two weeks into camp. They've got about two weeks to go before the start of the season – how do you think they're they're feeling both physically and mentally right now? Yeah, so like this is it's funny you ask this. This is kind of like where the grind of camp kind of starts to settle in because you know when you first report, it's the excitement of getting back together. You know, you've been training all off season. You want to kind of show your skills. Like you're amped up, right? At this point, your battery is kind of drained down a little bit. You're wearing out both physically and mentally. The practices get longer and harder, and it feels like everything gets hotter um, and et cetera. And, and you kind of go through uh, like a lull, right? So it's like imagine like a curve that goes down and then it comes back up. And you're going to, you're, you're kind of in the bottom part of this lull right now. And what's going to get you back up is when it, it's, you're basically a week out from Navy because then you actually start doing game prep and you're starting to really you know start studying for your opponent and everything but i i would say right now is honestly kind of like the worst part of camp it's it's the the biggest grind of it all because the the newness and the freshness has wearing wearing off and now you need to get to that point where you have the excitement for your upcoming opponent or your first week of the season and there's kind of you know a little bit of fatigue in different ways uh, yeah i know brian talked the other day in some of his practice write-ups about like camp arm in terms of the quarterbacks like they're out there throwing you know throw after throw pass after pass every practice there's camp arm but I think the legs tend to get a, a little bit fatigued by this point as well you know they've always got those ice baths set up out there uh you know outside the Irish athletic center for those guys for you know for whoever wants to get in there to get in those ice baths and stuff like that but I, I just imagine the legs have to be feeling a lot heavier right now when you're when you're here at this midpoint. Yeah, and that's that's just it, you know. It just you just really feel, you know, the the miles are the, the camp miles are on your body at this point, and yeah, you start to feel a little bit more sluggish, a little bit heavier, um, and not that you're like you know looking forward to to you know basically when practice is done, but it's like you it's. It gets to that point where you're just kind of really looking forward to the to the situations where you can just disconnect 
from football, you know, like, again, at the beginning, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm all, it's all about football, right? Like you're so excited. You're so eager. You're back with everyone. You're ready to show the coaches everything you worked on and how you got better over the summer. And then, you know, once you get it, that, that, that can only go for so long. And then the grind of camp kind of really settles in. So we got to see something today at this morning's practice that uh, really it was a staple of the Brian Kelly era. It was the start of practice, the tempo drill, where the offense gets out on the field and they just kind of make their way down the field, you know, throwing passes, a run here and there, whatever. And uh, Brian Kelly's teams used to do it against air. Marcus Freeman, first time we've seen the tempo drill of the you know in the in the Marcus Freeman era, two training camps now, and uh, he had a defense out there. And the biggest benefit of the tempo drill, you know, it really doesn't tell you that much in terms of performance. The biggest benefit of the tempo drill is for the media when we're there. It means we get to see what the depth chart looks like. So we, you know, we get to see because they'll run a first team out there, they'll go down the field. Then they'll run a second team out there. They'll go down the field. They didn't run a third team out there today. So it was first string and then second string. They had an offense and a defense. So here's the first team offense they ran out there. Sam Hartman, of course, the quarterback. Andre Castame started as the running back. Jabron Payne subbed in. So it was those two guys working with the first team. Wide receivers, Jaden Thomas uh, on one side and then on the other side. You had Tobias Merriweather on the outside and Jaden Greathouse on the inside. More on that in a second. Mitchell Evans was the tight end. And then the offensive line, left tackle Joe Alt, left guard Pat Coogan, the center Zeke Carell, right guard Rocco Spindler, right tackle Blake Fisher. And the Greathouse part of things, Chris Tyree was not there yet when they were when they started doing the tempo drill and the first team offense was supposed to get on the field. There was some confusion. Couldn't really tell, like from our aspect, we didn't know what the confusion was. Marcus Freeman, you know, like told him to get over to the sideline, get their stuff figured out and get back on the field. I think what the confusion was, Jaden Greathouse didn't realize he was supposed to be on the field initially with the first team because Tyree was not there. So Greathouse ended up being the slot receiver. And, uh, you know, again, then Tobias Merriweather outside and Jaden Thomas on the other side. So uh, just listening to those names, anything uh, really stand out for you right there, Jess? Yeah, I think the thing that obviously sticks out the most is that a true freshman is even with Chris Tyree, um, you know, whatever the reason of him being a little tardy to practice, a true freshman was still getting reps and running with the first team. I think that's obviously very glaring. Um, and then honestly, too, the thing that stuck out to me after that, um, you know, not that it was a huge deal, but the tight end position, you know, I, I still didn't know if it was me, Mitchell Evans or, or Holden stays. Um, and then I think the biggest one is are the guard positions. Pat Coogan at left guard and Rocco Spindler at right guard. Rocco Spindler doesn't uh, surprise me all too much because, I mean, I took him first in my draft to be the best breakout player <laughs> this year and looks like he's going to be the starting right guard. But hey. Um, I guess it, the, the one that is confusing to me is Pat Coogan at left guard because everything I heard, Billy Strouth was having a really good camp. So I guess that would be the thing that, that would be needed to be elaborated on a little bit more. Well, and here's the thing, because it, this is the same first team that we saw out there earlier in the week, and we had started to see more of Coogan at guard. And Andrew brings up this question, any concern at guard? with Pat Coogan and, you know, like DJ saying, I don't understand the Coogan move, Matt, the, you know, Coogan is bizarre. It's, it's interesting because when you look at this, the right side guard battle was between um, Rocco Spindler and Andrew Christoffic. Christoffic left the spring at the top of the depth chart, more or less. It seemed like anyway, on the left side, we didn't really know there was a battle between Billy Shrouth and Pat Coogan, but it turned into a battle. I actually wrote about it, I think, last week with Joe Rudolph talking about those guard positions. And lo and behold, here's Pat Coogan now sitting at the top of the depth chart ahead of Billy Shrouth. What I find interesting 
There are similarities between Coogan and Andrew Christoffic, I think, as well as you've got similarities between Billy Shrouth and Rocco Spindler, just in in terms of kind of the types of players they are. Shrouth and Spindler are more physical than Coogan and Christoffic, whereas Coogan and Christoffic are probably a little bit more technicians, a bit more consistent you know, with, with assignment and stuff like that, but they don't tend to devastate guys with their blocks the way that Shrouth and Spindler do. What's interesting about that is on one, you know, again, you've got guys who are similar, but on one side, you've got Spindler, who is the more sort of, you know, devastating blocker, more physical and all that. He's ahead of Christophic, whereas on the other side at, at left guard, You've got, you know, again, Pat Coogan, a little more technically sound and 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 that kind of stuff. Uh, may, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more consistent, but not as physical as Shrouth, but Coogan is ahead. So really you kind of have, you know, contrasting sort of ideologies on each side in terms of who's at the top and, and who's number two on the depth chart there. I think, I think everyone's probably a little bit caught off guard by this. So I think you bring up a good point and that Coogan and Christophic are kind of, you know, they're, they're more of your technician type guys and Spindler and Shrout, they're kind of your hard nosed guys. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to give you a good blow right. every time. And let, let me, physical. let me just, let me get this here real quick. You know, like, cause we're, we're talking about these contrasting styles where like, I'm, I'm not like, again, like, Spindler and Shrouth are more the Quentin Nelson mold, you know, in terms of like the devastating guys. Whereas the other guys I'm talking about, Coogan Christophic, a little bit more like the Zach Martin type mold, you know, like the physical guy versus the technician guy. So go ahead. Yeah. And I, I, it sounds like, you know, there, there's two, I guess there, there would be two reasonings for me uh, for why this is this is happening. You want kind of that balance and harmony of what you were talking about. You got one kind of the physical guy and one of, of more of your technician. You know, you don't – maybe they're viewing it as they don't want both of those kind of guys on the field at the same time. They want there to be kind of some harmony or balance, you know, at the right guard and left guard positions. And then I think the other other way to look at this is, what is, is there a possibility that they're doing this to kind of kick Billy Strouth in the butt a little bit, you know, give him that kind of boost of saying, you know – this is a spot that is obtainable, but right now you're not just giving us enough or, or enough of what we're looking for. And I, maybe he needs that a, a little bit, again, a push um, in order to, to, to kind of step up a little bit into the role of the starting left guard spot. Yeah. And um, Beezer 12 washing beard says Coogan at guard shouldn't concern anyone. If he can do the job. Awesome. If he can't, we can't go into the frying pan week one. We have time to figure it out. I mean, it's 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 a good point. And you know, one of the one of the problems for us is we get to see so little, you know, like <laughs> it's just a snippet of practice. Yeah. I mean, you know, we saw the live practice the other day, the defensive line, regardless of if it was the first team or second team, regardless of which guards were out there the defensive line was you know they were the ones who were eating everything up so it didn't really really matter who the guards were but when that's when that's the only live action that we've seen and most of the rest of what we we have seen so far is just position drills you know we did get to see at least a little bit in that practice last week was that I think that was Saturday the physical practice we did get to see you know the one where Jason Onye was Went up in, you know, Rocco Spindler's face and doing all, you know, some of those different things. We did get to see some live stuff there, but again, that's very few snippets. So it's 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 obviously hard for us to form any real opinion of why this is happening because ninety nine percent of you know these moves that have been made have been made behind closed doors when when we're you know when we're not there and we can't see exactly what's going on so you know so are there mistakes all these different things we're not able to see that so it's it's really hard to tell you know how we're going to compare one one guy's consistency to the other guy's consistency like you can see you know some of the physicality in some of that you know and you could see 
from, you know, like a, a mistake here and there that was made the other night. But, you know, again, w w without more, you know, a, a broader base of knowledge to base it on, it's really it's really difficult to know exactly how this happened, especially at the left guard position. Was this this? Did you notice this at the live full practice? Was Coogan out there a lot for the the live full practice that you guys were at? Yeah, yeah, he was. This this uh, that offensive line that I gave was the first team offensive line at the live practice, and again, you know, like we saw guys like Riley Mills, especially just terrorizing <laughs> the offensive line basically but you know that's that's part of it as well is as good as the defensive line has looked and it, you know I don't think you're going to find any Notre Dame fans who are disappointed to hear that Notre Dame's defensive line is doing great because it was a big concern of a lot of people coming into training camp what this you know what the D-line was going to look like but that's the other thing. How do you evaluate just how good is this defensive line versus are there real issues going on on the offensive line that we didn't anticipate? You know, because that's that's kind of the next thing. Yeah, and I think that we've been spoiled so much with Harry, you know, with, with not even Harry Heaston, just the the just the really good, you know, offensive line units over the last decade or so. Like, it, it's just something that hasn't had – to be worried about. And it's not, I'm not saying that it's time for concern. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to gauge who's overall winning and losing again, because you know, the, the, the defense is just pinning its ears back, right? Like they, they know what's coming from the offense. And so how much of that is just seeing the same thing and the same person repetitively, you don't know. Um, I just hope that offensive line wise, they pick the combination that best fits and that gives them the best chance of winning. And then I hope that they're not afraid to kind of evaluate as the season goes on. Maybe they platoon guys in and out. Maybe it's a rotation between the guard spots, between Spindler, Kristoffic, Shrouth, and Coogan. You know what I mean? Like I just, I hope that they find the perfect cocktail of what's going to make the team the most successful. Yeah. I, I, I do think it'll be an ongoing thing. I definitely think it will be. And I also wonder how much, how much is geared maybe toward, you know, at least part of this is geared toward the opener, like, you know, uh, specific to Navy, I guess is what I'm saying. Because like we talked before about all the blitzing that Navy did last year. So like if Coogan is more assignment sound more of the time, is that, you know, the, it, like, is that better? Is he the better guy to have out there against Navy right off the top when you're going to be going up against a team like that where, where, you know, you need more consistent protection as opposed to, you know, if if Trouth is not as consistent along those lines. Agreed. But again, we'll find out as we go along. So that was the first team offense. Um, second team offense, Steve Angeli course at quarterback Jadarian Price and Devin Ford the Penn State transfer those were the two running backs with the second team excuse me Price started off um on the first step and the snap and then Devin Ford would rotate in did you get into the second stream D or offense at all that's what I'm reading right now oh I <laughs> thought you just said first team defense sorry first team offense First team offense. If I said defense, I apologize. Second team offense. I'm sorry. It, I don't. I don't. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Second team offense. Quarterback Steve Angeli. Running backs Jadarian Price and Devin Ford. Wide receivers Matt Salerno and Rico Flores on one side. On the other side, Jordan Faison, the freshman walk-on who's on a lacrosse scholarship, the tight and we'll get back to that in a second. Holden stays the tight end. Davis Sherwood uh, also was out there. And then the offensive line at left tackle, Tosh Baker, left guard, Billy Shrouth, center, Ashton Craig, right guard, Andrew Christoffic, right tackle, Emil Wagner. I just think it's amazing that Jordan Faison, this 
walk-on, again, who's here on a lacrosse scholarship. His whole thing was he was going to walk onto the football team. He's going to play lacrosse. He's got a scholarship to play lacrosse for Notre Dame. And he is um, – and we're going to get to talk, by the way, to Chancey Stuckey, the wide receivers coach, and some of the receivers tomorrow. Faison has become one of the – you know, maybe the biggest surprise of fall camp. He's out there working with the number two team, and he doesn't even have a football scholarship right now. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy to think about, right? Like, and it, it kind of plays into what sticks out the most to me. I think at wide receiver you have Faison, Salerno, and Rico Flores. Where's where's Colsey in that equation? He is nowhere to be found in the first and second string. And you got Matt Salerno beating you out. And now you have a walk-on lacrosse player also beating you out for some time. I I don't that I don't think that affects me too much, but I think that'll affect someone like Colsey a decent amount. And I know it's early, but it's that that's not a, a very good or an optimistic, promising look for Colsey's future, I would say. No, but at the same time, Faison is fast. He's got good hands. Although last throw that we saw, <laughs> last throw that we saw, Steve Angeli just a little bit high was looking to Faison. Faison couldn't quite go up and, and get it. But I, he's fast. He runs good routes. And again, this is a freshman out there walking on to the football team. And you know, you like it's one thing for Jaden Greathouse to be sitting up there with the first team with. Chris Tyree out and it's a you know it's another thing for Rico Flores in great house to be in the mix even on the second team for but for Faison to be up there where he is at this point and uh, Marty Biaggi was also talking about how he has been in the mix in terms of punt returners but uh, ultimately it's not going to be Faison as the punt returner but this guy has really opened some eyes especially the last couple of weeks like every time you see him it's like who you know, initially it's like, who's that number 80? And then the, the more you show up at practice, the more you keep seeing number 80 show up. So he's just, you know, just looking at him right now, he looks like he's going to be tough to keep out of the mix. It's going to be really interesting to see what ends up happening with this guy. Because, you know, again, it's been hard enough just for a freshman wide receiver at Notre Dame historically to get on the field <laughs> – but now you're a freshman who is also a walk-on on a lacrosse scholarship. You know, talk about improbable, but he's found his way up there so far. Yeah, I think another surprising thing is seeing, like if you told everyone, including myself and probably everyone that's live in the chat right now, that, you know, Billy Strouth and Andrew Kostofik were going to be the, the second string guards. I think that's who everyone kind of had penciled in to be the first string guards. And so seeing them, on both the second team unit, that stuck out to me. Yeah, that's um, true. And then seeing, you know, not that this is crazy, but like we finally got some clarity of where things stand at QB2 right now. And so seeing Angeli penciled in at QB2, I think kind of shows where they're at right now. Or maybe, you know, just along the lines of Angeli just has a little bit more of experience. And maybe, you know, Menchie has some catching up to do knowing that this is his first camp. But like we talked about earlier in the week, this is such a tremendous opportunity for him with them only having three scholarship quarterbacks on right now. So yeah. I think even if he gets, you know, even if he's a third string quarterback all year, it's still a tremendous opportunity. That's really going to help him, you know, fight for that starting job next year. Stymie talking about Angeli overthrowing the fast guy. I should say it was about a 15 yard corner route. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like a post or a go or, a, you know, a seam or anything like that. It was like a 15 yard corner. So it wasn't like, you know, Angeli had such a big arm that he overthrew the fast guy phase on, you know, 30 or 40 yards downfield, that kind of thing. It was about a 15-yard corner. So, And I think the last thing that kind of stuck out to me, um, you know, seeing where Devin Ford was going to fall into the running back rotation, and it's very clear that he is amongst, you know, the top four guys. He's going to see some sort of um snap share this year um and i you know i thought i had a pretty good idea of who was who was two and three um but it's interesting to see that ford is is kind of working himself into that you know that four four spot and then you know what that means for him special teams wise where is he going to blend in um special teams because i think it, him being in that four spot shows to me at least 
and he's going to find his way into various special teams. And Jabron Payne, after having a good spring where it was basically he and Estime out there all spring, at least for right now anyway, again, he was the one rotating in with Estime with the number one unit today. So for right now, he remains ahead of Jadarian Price, who has looked solid, but you can tell he's still working his way kind of back in there. We haven't seen, you know, anything, you know, huge and explosive from him just yet. But but both Price and Ford both look pretty good as well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I made kind of a list of uh, Jaden Thomas playing a lot on the outside. He was really successful out of the slot last year. And I do wonder, even though Chris Tyree is predominantly a slot, like, would you, would you want to see them move him? What would be the benefit? Do you think, especially since Thomas was so successful out of the slot last year, what would be the benefit to using him both in that position and on the outside as well? So the diff, what, what you'd use Chris Tyree for in the slot is more shorter um, kind of quick hitting routes, you know, in space, allowing him to catch the ball and then a lot of yak yards, right. Allowing him to use his athletic ability to get past defenders, whether that's, you know, we're outrunning them using some sort of skill move, whatever it might be though in the slot, his primarily is going to be short routes, getting him in ball in space and allowing him to go to work after that. When he's on the outside and not in the slot, you're going to use his speed to take the top off the defense, I think, and allow some of your bigger body wide receivers to get over the middle of the field um, and be really big targets for Sam Hartman. At least that would be, you know, my understanding of it. But you said Chris Tyree. What about Jaden Thomas? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So Jaden Thomas, you know, in the slot, that's more of a guy like, they're basically not polar opposites of each other, but when Chris Tyree's in the slot, again, it's more so using his speed and open or sorry, getting him the ball and allowing him to use his, his speed and athleticism and open field. Um, Jaden Thomas in the slot, that's more so of, you know, I, I would say kind of your short down situations, more of a bigger body and you just allow him to get his body in front of a corner. And it's not necessarily, you know, using his speed and athleticism and let him body up a little bit. Yeah. More it's a, it's with, using his size in space. Uh, it's almost yeah. like boxing out the defender on short, you know, maybe a, a second and two where everyone thinks you're running, you fake it. And then you hit him on a quick slant over the middle. You know what I mean? Something like that, where he's just using his body to kind of box out people. Right. So here's the first team defense Viper and Jordan Batello field in Nano Osafa Mensa defensive tackle, Riley Mills, nose guard, Howard Cross, the Mike linebacker is J.D. Bertrand. The Will linebacker is Maris Leofau. Uh, Kaiser started off as the Rover, and then as they went to the nickel package, Thomas Harper um, came in as the nickel. Kaiser replaced Leofau at, at kind of around that point, I believe, as the Will. The corners were Benjamin Morrison and Clarence Lewis because Cam Hart was not out there today. Cam Hart in the practice Tuesday, took uh, kind of a hard hit and didn't come back to practice after that. So he was not out there today. The safeties were Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson. Second team was uh, Josh Burnham at Viper. Junior Tui Alamaka, not sure we're allowed to say what the injury is. He was at practice today. I can't remember. I don't think we saw too much of him. Tuesday, just a little tweak, but he was back out there today. But for right now, Josh Burnham running at Viper. And he looks pretty good. Josh Burnham has looked pretty good uh, in that spot as the Viper. Defensive tackle is Rubio. Nose guard, Jason Onye. Field defensive end, Javante Jean-Baptiste. Mike linebacker, Drake Bowen. Will linebacker, Jalen Sneed. The uh, number two nickel, Micah Bell. And again, remember Clarence Lewis. Uh, it's been he he's kind of been running number two behind Thomas Harper as the nickel, but he was bumped up into Cam Hart's spot, you know, with the first team. So you had Micah Bell out there, basically your number three nickel running with the number two unit. Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray were the corners. DJ Brown and Antonio Carter were with the number two units 
safeties. So again, anything stand out there to you, Jess? Yeah, uh, I think what really stuck out to me uh, was the field in position. I thought that uh, Javante John Baptiste was going to be the starting field in. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what I preferred, but I heard a lot of good things about him in camp. Um, and I think his expertise is something that was, you know, valuable and why, why Notre Dame kind of wanted him depth and, and experience. Um, so I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, I think it makes sense where, you know, Kaiser in the base defense is going to be your Rover. Um, but then in the, uh, you know, when they go to a nickel package, he's going to become the will. I think that totally makes sense. That checks out. Um, and that's something that they've been, you know, practicing for a while. Um, and then I also think it was interesting um, that Ramon Henderson was back there at safety. I, I think that is something that is very, a very positive thing. Um, I, I thought I had high aspirations for Ramon Henderson this season. So seeing him step into that role is I think that's something very, um, very good to see. And then I would also say um, that it was good to see, you know, Drake Bowen is already out there with the second stringers as a true freshman yeah. on the defense. I think that is um, surprising. And then it, it is surprising to me that I didn't see Osbury's name anywhere within these kind of two deep charts. So I don't know if that's maybe, you know, he's more of a personnel piece, you know, depending on what kind of packages that they're getting into. Um, but I know he's been having a really good camp as well. Um and then, hmm. well, and I don't know, and I'm trying to, I definitely, like I said, I had the nickel package written down. I don't remember if they started out in base and Osbury was out there or not. That's my fault that I don't have that, but he may have been, but you're right. Like he has had a good camp, like Tuesday, had a good practice Tuesday. Like he, um, Treor and Christian Gray, three freshmen who really popped at Tuesday's practice, especially Christian Gray, I thought, you know, it, and like, it, it's funny kind of looking at some of the tweets coming out of practice because everyone had a different set of guys who were like, oh, these guys stood out to me. And, and, and there were obviously some with some crossover. Christian Gray out there defending the, the two guys who were supposed to be Notre Dame's two number one receivers this year, Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Thomas out there and, and winning a couple of one-on-one -on -one battles with both of them was was very impressive. He's definitely stood out so far. And then I would say, you know, where at the safety position, where is Ben Minnick kind of fitting in? You know, I've, I've heard a lot of good stuff about him. Um, I think he's going to be a guy who might not be there right now, but it could, you know, as the season progresses and definitely be a guy who kind of, you know, shows, shows up on the special teams. And the last thing I'll kind of see, kind of say based on the defense is, I'm glad to see where they stand on the interior defensive line. To me, that is something that was not a question mark. I was just kind of curious to see what it was going to be at the end of the day. I, not that I had any lack of confidence or, you know, it was a weakness or anything. Um, but I'm glad to see that Mills has stepped up. I thought Howard Cross was going to be the guy. I was just curious to see who was, who was going to get paired with him. And so it's nice to see that it's Riley Mills kind of finally stepping into his role. Yeah, Mills is Mills is going to be a beast, and he is a beast so far, right now. He just looks like just just so beefed up, and and just at how physical he has been in there. I, I think that uh, people are really going to enjoy watching him this season. And as Michael says, a whole bunch of defensive players are going to play. I, I I agree with that. Yeah, there's, and that's what Vince and I talked about there. yesterday. Which is so exciting about this defense is they are going to piece together different packages based off of the strengths of what they can do out there, right? Like Jalen Sneed is going to be in certain packages that highlight his strengths. Um, Osbury is going to make it out there eventually in, in packages that, you know, have his strengths and everything like that. So the depth on this defense this year is, I think, something to be really excited about because guys are going to be more explosive and more fresh when they're able to rotate kind of in and out and, and really play to their strengths. Yeah, in terms of the safeties, you were talking about the safeties a little bit and you're talking about Ramon Henderson and he's he's had a pretty nice camp but again like what we've been able to see you know he had an interception a couple of nights ago and um I think that the, like we got to talk to Chris O'Leary earlier this week the safeties coach and so a couple things that that stand out just in terms of who's where right now he likes what he's gotten from Antonio Carter and Antonio Carter 
has said, you know, there has been a little bit of a learning curve going from playing cornerback for four years, started the last two years at Rhode Island, going from that to playing safety. Chris O'Leary definitely still very high on Antonio Carter, loves the way he hits, loves the physicality that he brings to the position. But it's still, I think that there's, like between the two, Ramon Henderson is much more assignment sound right now. He just knows the defense a little bit better. And that's what you want from a guy who's who's been in that defense for a couple of years. So I think Antonio Carter is going to contribute. And we were talking about Carter. You remember Jess earlier this week when we talked about that Aztec package, they've got that three safety package out there. So I think at, at a very minimum, you know, situationally, that's a place we're going to see Antonio Carter, but we're going to see those other guys as well. Um, and then you talked about the freshman, uh, Ben Minnick was one and Adon Schuler being the other, I, I don't think that they're in a big rush to, to you know, really push either one of those guys out there on the field in terms of playing safety right now. But I, but I think especially Minnick, you're going to see him play a, a lot of special teams this year, uh, potentially. And, you know, Schuler probably in that mix as well. And they're, they're, still, they're, they're still kind of sorting out, it sounded like, talking to Biagi today. They're sorting out. Who, you know, who a lot of these special teams guys are going to be in terms of coverage guys and punt block units and all those different things. But I, I definitely think you're still going to see a lot of starters out there on some of these special teams unit, you know, like especially with the punt block and, and that kind of stuff. So I think that, yeah, so that's kind of where, where some of that is. Um, other personnel, Marty Biagi did say today Bryce McPherson will be the number one punter. So McPherson, you might remember, he had a groin injury last year. As a freshman, he was trying to do kickoffs and punts and ended up injuring his groin. And, of course, he was going to be number two behind John Sott last year anyway. But Bianchi said today that McPherson is uh, the number one punter coming into the season. And Chris Tyree is the number one punt returner. And uh, he said Mickey, Salerno, Greathouse, and Faison were all guys who got some work back there, but Tyree is the best of the bunch. And, I mean, you know, you talk about a guy with dynamic skills and, and potential to, to take it back all the way. Chris Tyree is the guy. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I was going to say, as soon as you just told me Chris Tyree is going to be the starting punt returner, I got really excited because a lot of times you see – the coaches either go one or two strategies with this. You put the guy back there, and and probably, and this was more so in the Brian Kelly era, a guy who's just going to fair catch it that you know is going to catch it every time. Um, and then some teams look at it as an opportunity to get their young athletes, dynamic athletes on the field. Not now, you know, Chris Tyree is not quite as young anymore. He's still, rel- you know, in, in relative terms, young. Um, but it's nice to see that they're putting someone kind of back there that has the combination of both, right? Like he's got he's got the experience. He's been a kick returner. Um, all I think about is when he took that house call back against Wisconsin and Gus Johnson's going crazy. Um, and that's <laughs> kind of what, that's what I'm looking forward to as him as a punt returner. I think he gives you, again, the most dynamic. Uh, he's one of the most dynamic playmakers in space. And as a punt return guy, he's just a loose, shaky kind of guy. You know, he's that guy that's really elusive. Um, and that's what you want in a punt returner. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, it's funny because we t- I think it was 
maybe last week that we were talking about what's the number i think it was vince and i were talking about this what is the number one priority of being a punt returner do you know the answer to this question jesse catch the ball secure the football that's right and that was the first thing of course that marty biagi brought up when he was asked about punt return and you know like number one priority is they were looking at these different guys tyree they're very confident in chris tyree first and foremost first and foremost securing the ball but i asked him after that question about just how hard it is to scheme up a big punt return like the 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 sort of you know the conundrum between you know just secure the football versus also a big punt return and here was marty biagi's answer it's a lot harder because now um, there's not as much pro pocket punting that you used to see in the 90s, early 2000s, where there's a certain punter, everybody's in a pro punt, you can pretty much use a similar scheme each week, the punter's going to punt the ball right to you for it. So there's a lot more that goes into the whole return. You know, teams are moving the pocket, teams are lining up in crazy formations, trying to see if fakes are available and different things. So um, that's where it's just so key that. No matter what, yes, to the fa- trust me, I want to be the first to have <laughs> explosive punt returns. Um, but at the end of the day, it's my job to make sure the offense has the ball after our play, too. Right. Um, so it's finding that balance. Um, it's still being aggressive. Um, but at the same time, we know if we can create some chaos, then with our hold-up ability with our guys on the edges, our DBs, we feel real confident with them uh, that we just have to get the chance for, for CT or those guys back there to make a play on the ball. How much does it also just come down to whose hands the ball is in, I guess? Yeah, I mean, there's some natural ability as well that you're looking at, and that's what I think CT has shown in those tight quarters of explosiveness, being able to field the ball and get north quickly. Jess, what do you think? I really like actually what he what he ended with there, getting north quickly, right? Like it, it, you don't want you want a punt returner who secures the ball and just gets downhill as quick as possible. No lateral movement. No, you know, all these. I mean, that's where you get in trouble on punt return is trying to go laterally, right? Yeah, you lose yards. Unless there's some big breakdown in front of you. You you get hit by someone unexpectedly, which causes a risk for fumble. You know, and so, again, I like like knowing Chris Tyreek is going to secure the ball. He's going to get north to south. And then once he maybe breaks five or ten yards going north to south, that's when you start to see him kind of maybe get a little veer lateral or, you know, put on a couple moves. But. Your first objective, secure the ball, get north or south, and pick up some sort of positive yards immediately. And then kind of, if you, if you notice you got some open space, try to maybe break it off a little bit after that. Right. John uh, got in late tonight, and um, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly, you know, which – what point his question is asking he says is this someone's opinion of who will be starting we were able to see at practice today again i'm not sure at what what point john came in the start of practice we saw what they call the tempo drill the first team offense lined up against the first team defense and then the second team offense against the second team defense they were the same first and second teams essentially minus some guys who were a little bit you know, dinged up and and stuff like that from Tuesday. So we have now seen, you know, what what first what the first team units on both sides and the second team units on both sides look like a couple days in a row. So it's it's uh, it's not opinion. It's what we have seen at practice. What the depth chart looks like out there when they have lined up um, when it's time to go. So that's what like what we were. Uh, what we were talking about earlier, that's what we're basing this off of. So that's that's where it, it comes from. Uh, and then also one final thought from Marty Biagi today. Kick Kickoff return. Devin Ford, Jadarian Price, Chris Tyree, Jeremiah Love, all still working at Oof. kickoff return. I like that group. Yeah, that's a very good, uh, very good group. <laughs> Those four guys right there. So they are all in the mix at kickoff return. They have not, de- you know, determined that just yet. So I take it. I take it. You know, any any pair of those guys. I think of those four right there. 
Oh, a hundred percent. That's like stacking your most explosive and athletic, you know, runners kind of in one group. So, and, and then also mixing a, a good combination of young with experience at the same time. So I really like uh, what that group, when, like when you read that group, I was like, whoa, that's, they didn't, they didn't mess that one up. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Jesse, uh, Irish Gordian, Nut, the breed of your dog and his name. I know he's, his name is Henry. What's his, what's it? He's part Chihuahua, isn't he? Yeah. He's Chihuahua and Jack Terrier. Chihuahua and Jack Terrier. That is quite a mix. We were talking before the show, since everyone's so invested of, you know, Henry, <laughs> there might be another dog uh, added here this evening. So I guess you guys are going to have to tune in next week to see if Henry has a, a brother to hang out with. Yeah, Mr. 2.0 says, I don't think we can put stock in the lineups yet, guys. There's over two weeks still left until Navy. They could easily be rounding out. Well, their I would say, though, that like when I was in camp, it, there's a very good idea of at this kind of time, you're funneling down into who your ones and twos are. You want to have it together so that the next two weeks they're practicing together, right? I mean, yeah, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean things can't change. But at the same time. I think it's more set in stone than what people are going to, uh, than what people are kind of realizing. Right. Right. So we'll see. I mean, we do still have two weeks to go, but, but really it's really one week to go because I don't think that that last week, when you're talking about now your game prep week, and especially when you've got to travel to Ireland and all that in, in the middle of the week, they're leaving in the middle of the week, I think on a Wednesday or something like Tuesday or Wednesday, they're leaving. You're, I don't think you're going to be tweaking your depth chart too much that week. So you've really got about a week and a half left, you know, in terms of where things a little bit less than a week and a half in terms of where things can change. So, oh, yeah, there's definitely 16 days, 16 days from today is game day. I would say that I would say that probably 80 percent of the ones and twos, if it hasn't been, you know, written down and said it, it is mentally in the coach's minds. And I think there might be a couple positions, maybe one or two on both sides of the ball where there's still a potential kind of battle, right? Like it's kind of 50-50. Well, and and where it becomes, you know, again, not set in stone, but where it becomes, you know, at least like the concrete is starting to set a little bit is we're not seeing these guys interchange. It's not like this guy gets some first team oh, reps. Oh, yeah, they're not and splitting then, reps. Yeah, and then this guy gets some first team reps. All the reps that we're seeing, and again, we got to see a full practice the other night where the units were together. All the reps that we're seeing are, you know, like offensive line, all five guys in the same spots with the first team, all five guys, same spots with the second team. And for the most part, with obviously you see a little bit more substitutions with defense and stuff like that. But that's just where they are right now. So, you know, again, we'll see. We do have some time, and we will still be able to see some practices next week. Um, you know, the question will be, will you know, will, will we get to see like a tempo drill again? Like I said, like tempo drill doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's just kind of to get the you know get the blood flowing, you know, get you know get the offense in a little bit of a rhythm. But for the media, it lets us see what the depth chart looks like that's kind of always what's that you know what what it's been so we'll see we you know, I like we've got those, some practices though, next week because uh I remember some of my favorite periods that we got into during the season more so is at the beginning of practice you know how there's individual practice individual periods for all position groups right we would do individual competition periods so running backs would be paired with linebackers dbs uh, with corners and you would do an individual competition drill at the beginning of practice. And that it, for linebackers and running backs, it was <laughs> running backs had to try to pick up blitzes or block, you know, linebackers and linebackers were working moves to basically get past running backs and get to the quarterback. So I like that kind of stuff at the beginning of practice. It sets the tone. It gets the blood flowing a little bit, a, a little bit early. And then also it just breaks up the monotony of, you know, the practice plan, just going through the same kind of practice uh, template every day. Uh, it gets a little gets a little boring, you know what I mean? And so it's nice yeah. to kind of add that stuff at the beginning of practice. Yeah, and we did go pretty deep into the, you know, the the offensive line and the guard positions and stuff like that earlier in the show. So if you I know people kind of you know, 
jump in over the course of the show and stuff like that. So if you missed it, you can either go back. I, I think we probably talked about it, what, Jess, probably within the first 10, 15 minutes or so. Yeah, I mean, that the was show. the big thing that we so, talked about when we went through the first, uh, first team offense. Yep, exactly. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.